This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now is Sean Pendergast of Sports Radio 610 in Houston, part of our Odyssey family. Make sure to catch Sean on his show, Payne and Pendergast, weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Central Time. And also make sure to follow him on X at Sean T. Pendergast. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Let's go ahead and jump in on the game that I know you will be watching very closely, Texans and Colts. This spread has been fluctuating a little bit but currently at Ben MGM it's the Texans as one point road favorites with a total of 47 and a half what do you like in this game I uh that that line feels about right I appreciate you guys having me on we're so excited for this game in Houston because it's been a long time since we've had relevant football here since not since the 2019 season have we had relevant football and this was a matchup last year between these same two teams in the same week of the season at the same venue that the story was, will the Texans find a way to blow getting the number one pick in the draft, which thank God they did because they got the number two pick and they got CJ Stroud, which brings me to the answer to the question as to how I feel about this game. I feel like that line's about right. I feel like the, the Texans are the more talented football team. And yet I've got a lot of trepidation with this game because the Texans normally this season have not responded too well to being small road favorites. They were a road favorite uh, when they kicked off in Atlanta in week five, they lost on a last second field goal. They were road favorites when they went to Carolina coming out of the bye week. And for the longest, that was Carolina's only win all season was the win over the Texans, another last second field goal. And then they were a three or a three and a half point favorite going to New York to face the Jets. And that was just a blowout by the Jets. That was just, that was the Texans worst game of the season. And it wasn't all that long ago. So I, I am a, uh, I'm very up in the air on this game. I, I don't like the fact that the Texans are favored in it. Um, and I and the fact that it's a road game as well, and it's a winner-take-all kind of thing. Um, the Texans have done a really good job, job of shutting down the run this year, and that's what the Colts like to do. But the flip side of that is they've given up a ton of big plays in the passing game. And for whatever reason, Gardner Minshew does play well when he plays against the Houston Texans. So I'm, I'm leaning, leaning towards the Colts right now in this one. Yeah, it's so remarkable that we're even here. Not only the combination of a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback and that quarterback missing a couple of games, but the weapons too with Noah Brown going down, uh, Robert Woods, uh, Tank Dell out for the season when he was really getting things going. Um, how how are they here? How did it happen? Yeah, the so the um, I think, look, the, the, it begins and ends with number seven with C.J. Stroud. Um, and, and I think he, you could tell in training camp that he, he got it. 
that the team was taking to his leadership. Um, you could tell that he was, uh, by rookie standards, I think you, you could see he was going to have a pretty solid rookie year, especially in this system. And you could also see in training camp, too. I mean, we're out there every practice. You mentioned Tank Dell's name. You could see Nico Collins. Like, some of the things that were, I think, maybe a bit of a surprise to America when we started to see it play out with the Texans were all things that we saw early on. So I think that that we knew CJ was going to have a solid rookie year. I don't know that we knew – it was going to turn into a conversation where he's literally been one of the probably eight or 10 best quarterbacks in all of football. And I think that's where it really starts is he is such a quick study, which is ironic because that was the knock on him was that stupid S2 test coming out of the draft, that, that cognitive test. Mm-hmm. Yep. He is a CJ's a guy who puts in the work, but he doesn't make the same mistakes over and over again. Like he was getting sacked a ton early in the year. And a lot of that was on him. And then by week three, he went on a four-game stretch where he didn't get sacked a single time. Um, and and he's just – he's gotten better at kind of taking checkdowns and, and get, taking what the defense gives him where he was a little more – he took a lot more risks earlier in the season. So I think CJ, is, like offensively, that's where, that's where it starts. But I think it really goes back to the hiring of D'Amico Ryans, which completely changed the culture of a totally dysfunctional building. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen the stories the last few years. Jack Easterby, the former te- – Patriots team pastor who had miraculously Game of Thrones his way into basically running everything for the Texans and running it into the ground. He finally got fired midway through last season. I don't think D'Amico Ryans is the head coach here of Jack Easterby still in the building. So I think D'Amico really started the culture change. And in the on-field product, it, it's, it's a lot about C.J. Stroud and a defense that's very improved. They were a historically bad defense last year against the run. They're one of the best rush defenses in football this season. And that all traces back to D'Amico Ryans. So I think those are the two big linchpins. D'Amico is the head coach and CJ is the quarterback. And now we're off to the races, hopefully. Dang, you took the words right out of my mouth because I wanted to ask you about D'Amico Ryans because we talk about coach of the year every week on this show. And he is the second favorite. He's been in the conversation for more than half a season now. Uh, Houston 17th in the league in defensive DVOA. As you said, they're really good at stopping the run, which is going to be key against the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. But going back to Ryan's, do you think he has a chance to win this award? I'm seeing like nine to one offshore. Yeah, nine to one. The problem, the problem with that is that the favorite is a coach that just destroyed the Texans a couple of weeks ago with Kevin Stefanski. And one of the top stories in the league is this Joe Flacco mania that's going on in mm-hmm. Cleveland right now. We know these awards are largely driven by narratives, and and I think that's that's a huge narrative in the league right now is how dangerous the Cleveland Browns are potentially in this postseason because of the way Joe Flacco is playing. And so I think I I would be very surprised if there's enough that D'Amico could do in this game, although it is a national stage and the Texans haven't played in a primetime stage like this literally in years. Um, So, you know, maybe that's something that gets a bug in the ear of of some of the people who are voting on this thing, but nine to one. And I think Stefanski is like the opposite. He's one to nine or something like that. So flipping that in six, (laughs) yeah. So flipping that in 60 minutes of football, um, I, I think is, is going to be awfully tough for D'Amico to do. I obviously doesn't diminish what he's done this year, which is nothing short of miraculous to get a team that looked the way the Texans did in 2021 and 2022 with all the dysfunction on and off the field to, to get them to where they've got a chance to, to win 10 games and make the playoffs is, is incredible. And if Kevin Stefanski isn't winning games with all these different quarterbacks, then D'Amico Ryan's probably wins the award, I would think. Maybe even win or lose 
this Saturday might win the award. Another award to talk about, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Jalen Carter is the favorite, but Will Anderson has the second shortest odds at plus 225. Kobe Turner is suddenly gaining steam at 6-1. to one. Do you feel like Will Anderson has one more monster performance in him to be able to capture this award? I do. We talked about this exact thing from the betting angle and everything on our show, on my show on, here on 610, like literally 30 minutes ago. I think we talked about it in the last segment of my show. I do. I think Will Anderson with a huge game on Saturday can can take this thing home. And it's the reason why is because his odds on this thing have been crazy, like stuff that I, I can't remember seeing. Like when he had that yeah. huge game against Denver earlier this year, I think it was in week 13, he went from literally 14 to one down to plus 140 to win the award. And then he sprained an ankle against the Jets and he missed a few weeks and his odds go back up to, I think, 33 to one in some places is what I saw. And now all of a sudden he has a huge game against uh, Tennessee where he's only on the field for 12 snaps, but he has two sacks and six pressures. And now he's down from from where I've seen, you know, he's you know somewhere between three to one and four to one. Jalen Carter's still a pretty heavy favorite. But Will Anderson has shown he can gain ground before. And I think he is the one guy who I think when it comes to stuff like this that we're talking about right now, awards and things like that, Will Anderson is the guy who's got a real opportunity on Saturday to kind of make a big statement in front of a national audience in prime time, for sure. I I absolutely think it, it is still in play that the Texans could replicate what the Jets did last year and get the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Uh, so earlier in the show, this is what you do in week 18. People uh, dig up incentives. Like, uh, is a team going to be willing to make sure that this player gets a few more touches because they, they might get paid or, you know, uh, maybe they share mm-hmm. it with teammates. Like if the Seahawks make the playoffs, Gino gets an extra $2 million. There's some big ones like that. And there are a couple of ones that are in play for the Texans and just, you know, more about how this coaching staff thinks. And obviously the result of the game is above all else but do you see them maybe getting it to Dalton Schultz a little bit extra? Six receptions, he gets a half a million, 107 mm-hmm. yards. He gets another quarter of a million. Uh, there, I know there are some hanging in the balance for Devin Singletary as well. Are you expecting big games from Schultz and Singletary? Singletary for sure, because the Colts don't defend the run very well, and Singletary has been a huge, huge part of this team's success when they've played well. Um, he's rushed for over 100 yards three times this year. They've all been since week 10 against Cincinnati. And, I mean, Devin Singletary is one of the leading rushers in football since the middle of the season. When he's gone for over 100 yards, the Texans win football games. They're undefeated when he's gone over 100 yards. They're going to do whatever it takes to win this game. And I, the coaching staff, I, I, they may not even know about the incentives or whatever. I'm sure they do, but they're not going to – that, that's not going to impact anything as far as usage. They are using Devin Singletary like a bell cow right now. So I would take mm-hmm. – I j- actually jotted that down on my notes here. I would take over on whatever the props are for Devin Singletary, rushing yards for sure. And and as far as Dalton Schultz goes, it's interesting. I don't think they have a choice but to involve Dalton Schultz heavily in the offense because they're so bereft of weapons right now. Um not bereft, but they're they're down weapons right now. I mean, Tank Dell's been out since the Denver game in Week 13. That's really impacted this offense's ability to stretch the field and open things up. And I think they're going to want to continue to have C.J. Stroud get the ball out quickly because he's only a week or two removed from a concussion. So they don't want him taking hits, and I think that equates to Dalton Schultz getting the football a decent amount in this game. Look, he's there. He's probably their second most effective weapon in the passing game behind Nico Collins. Noah Brown looks like he's going to miss this game. 
Robert Woods is more there for his veteran savvy than he is to make a bunch of big plays downfield. Um, and the young receivers they have just haven't been able to get out of first gear, John Mechie and Xavier Hutchinson. So I think, I, I think just by necessity, Dalton Schultz is going to have to be a big part of this game plan. So I like, I like overs and big money in their paychecks for both of those guys, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know you mentioned the Texans will probably be looking to the ground game, but I noticed CJ Stroud over one and a half passing touchdowns, minus money at most places. One book does have it at plus 102. Is that something that would interest you? I, no, I would stay away from that one just because, um, because one, I, I do think – like. Running the football is going to be a key here. They've not been good in the red zone, the Texans, this okay. this uh, this season. And lately, they haven't been good in the red zone. The game last week against Tennessee, 26-3. It was 26-3 because they kicked four field goals and they had a defensive touchdown in the game. They only scored one offensive touchdown in that game against Tennessee. Um, they've run the football better in the second half of the season, but it's still an offense that tends to bog down when they get inside the 20 and they don't have as much room to work with. So I would probably stay away from that. And if I had to pick a side, I'd probably go under the one and a half passing touchdowns just because the Texans have struggled. They, they've moved the ball fine between the 20s, but when they get in the red zone, I, if there's Kaimi Fairbairn props out there, jump on those. <laughs> if, there's, if there's a field goal prop for Kaimi Fairbairn, jump on those because the Texans have struggled in the red zone this year. It's a great question, but I, and I, and the Texan fan in me wants to go over on everything, but like, I, you know, you start to right. think about their struggles <laughs> and yeah, I would go under, especially if it's, especially if the favorite is over minus one uh, over or not, if the fate, if over one and a half is the, is the minus money is the favorite. I would definitely stay away from that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think the red zone woes, that's probably how this game stays close. So that makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, let's look at the AFC playoff picture here. Are there teams that maybe you want to back here because you think that this could very well be a crapshoot? Or do you feel like the Ravens will ultimately run away with this? I think it's the Ravens invitational. I, I think the, the, this, the structure with seven teams feels like such a big advantage for teams that, that have, uh, that one, have a home field to get, the, get a week off two home field throughout. And in the case of the Ravens, them clinching it early, I mean, you can make an argument that the Ravens might feel rusty after they get to the divisional round because mm -hmm. of how little football they're going to have played over the course of the three weeks. We saw the Ravens, the Texans did in week one, and they were good then and they're better now. I, I just, I, I have a hard time trusting any of these other teams in the AFC. The weird thing is I feel like the, the, if I had to power rank them, the second one I would back would be the Buffalo Bills. And if the Steelers win on Saturday, then the Bills literally are either the two seed AFC East champions or they're out of the playoffs altogether. It's a wild, wild year in, in the AFC. And that's why, you know, the, look, the division is still in play for the Texans, too, because if Jackson, if the Texans win and Jacksonville loses, then the Texans get that four seed. Cleveland's a really interesting one. Um, I, you know, the, that defense is going to travel really, really well to some of those places they're going to go play. And I think Cleveland's going to be favored in their wild card round matchup over whoever they play on the road from the AFC South. 
So if I'm if I'm power ranking them, I probably go Baltimore one. If Buffalo gets into the dance, then two because they're going to be the two seed, and then probably Cleveland after that. I just I don't trust the Chiefs. I have a hard time, even though I love the Texans, trusting anybody coming out of the AFC South. And and so yeah, that's that's kind of how I think the AFC. That's my outlook on the AFC. Sean, less than a minute. Any other uh, quick plays that you have for this weekend? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, two plays that I have. I'm going Detroit minus three and a half. Minnesota's a mess right now. Detroit still has something to play for, even though it's infinitesimally small. But Dan Campbell is going to start and play all his guys. I think three and a half is a gift, especially coming off the game they played in Dallas last week. They're going to come in hungry. And then Jacksonville minus five and a half in that Titans game. I just watched the Titans last week. I, there's they're still trying to score a touchdown out at NRG Stadium, I think, right now as we speak. Um, I think Jacksonville's got a lot to play for. If they Potentially, if they lose, they're out altogether or they're winning the AFC South. So I love Jacksonville, minus five and a half. Well, they need to kick them out then. That's the rule. Sean Pendergast of Sports Radio 610 in Houston, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight, right here on the BetQL Network.